1: at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner.
0: Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios, this is the Ride with Royce. He's going the
2: distance. He's going for the
3: speed.
2: And Rutgers, for the second straight year, is going to knock off
0: a higher seated opponent. In the first round of the Big Ten Tournament, last year Ohio State, this year Minnesota as the 14 seed provides the first upset at Madison Square Garden, 65-54, Rutgers advancing in the Big Ten Tournament.
3: All right, our Gophers. Uh, now, I missed the start of it. What was it? Nine minutes without a field goal?
1: Nearly ten, yeah, that they did Nearly not have a field goal. Nearly ten minutes
3: to start the game without Oof. a field goal, and yet they were still in the game, right? Yes. Because Rutgers isn't wasn't much better?
1: Well, See? the thing that the Gophers had is they, they were getting to the line, and Rutgers was not. But, yeah, okay. that's the only reason so why the Gophers were in the game. Yep. Okay.
3: All right. Well, uh, and... Uh, did you hear the basketball dribbling when the game was going on yeah. uh, over the crowd and the squeak of tennis shoes? You know, And, uh, and I know
1: you said you missed the beginning of the game. You'd, I almost texted you because the first half of that game last night was very Buffalo Bills-Jacksonville Jaguars playoff game. It was disgusting, that brand of basketball <laughs> being played. It was
0: awful. God, it was oh. awful. <laughs> well, uh,
3: fourteen out of sixteen they lose after Oof. the uh, Reggie Lynch suspension. Right, uh, it started with the Reggie Lynch suspension. What? Who did they beat? Iowa. They beat Iowa here, mm-hmm. at, at and then they won at Penn State. At oh, that's right. They had uh, online. and that when they won at Penn State you kinda of thought that they could hang in there, right? And mm-hmm. then McBrayer got hurt too and that that pretty well take care of that. And coffee was out. But uh fourteen out of sixteen, that's an impressive run of ineptitude, isn't it?
1: And even by losing I know losing coffee and you lost uh you lost Curry before the season started in the Lynch uh, situation, but Patina deserves some heat. I'm sorry. I know I'm not as big a supporter, but this is this this turned into a disaster. This was worse than the eight and twenty-three season, in my opinion. It really was. Because this team had expectations, unlike the eight and twenty-three
4: team. Well, I-, I think more than anything, it just showed, and me and Corzo talked about this yesterday, it just showed Patino has not done a good enough job over the last couple of years of like recruiting depth. I mean, he's got he's got like his core guys for this group with, you know, McBrayer and and Coffee and Murphy, you know, going forward, but the depth is just hasn't been there. And and Pat, you mentioned it a couple times. I mean, Jiju and Kanate, and those two guys, they've you you should have been getting something out of them. They've been in the program for a couple of years now and you're getting nothing out of them. I mean, it's and two they're... basically wasted roster spots.
3: Yeah, four years. And and they recruited the hurt kid because they hoped to get his brother. That's why they took him. He's not a Big Ten player. And uh uh and I mean even then, once Curry gets hurt, but even then, there's only like eight guys that you put on the floor, right? Uh, who, who are who are the other four guys on the bench? I don't even know who's there. I guess Fitzgerald.
1: Fitzgerald can sometimes spell a guy. He's, he can he, and he can hit an outside but, shot. Uh, but other than his, that, you got nothing. Uh, you know, he
3: uh, I don't know if he could play before he got hurt, but he obviously never came back from his knee injury. But uh, wow! Uh, so uh, Rick is, uh, but here's the good news. He's got a higher winning percentage in the Big Ten tournament than he does in the regular season. Well, that's he's, good. <laughs> he's now 3-5 and five in the uh, tournament. He's 31-59 uh, <laughs> and 59 in the regular season. Boy, you got to have a couple, three pretty good years to get back to 500, don't you, when you're 28 yeah. games under 500 in the Big Ten?
4: You basically need to win the conference like three years in a row. <laughs>
3: Meanwhile, Wisconsin, those feisty, plucky Badgers who uh, won a couple of games late in the season, uh, beat Maryland today in the tournament. And uh, I guess they beat out the Gophers for tenth, right? So they ended up, uh, so they they ended up uh, not having to play the first day. Wisconsin, and then uh, I don't know, Iowa and Michigan were in overtime. I don't know who won, but uh, Iowa was uh, Iowa was trying to am on win it. Too. Uh, Iowa I... ended up behind the Gophers, right? They, Iowa yeah. ended up yes, they were the twelve, and, three and fifteen, and the Gophers. Uh, Uh, Four and fourteen, but uh, now we're trying to make a case that they're going to be pretty good next year. Uh, So assuming Coffee and Curry are back, uh, I still think Washington today was talking about how much he learned. I don't think he'll be back. I think he'll transfer. Uh, And Murphy will probably be back. I guess he won't. uh, He won't. uh, He won't be an NBA guy. So
4: Michigan did beat Iowa in overtime. Oh, they did. Yeah.
3: Uh, and uh but then you got a bunch of freshmen, Minnesota kids, right? I mean, you you might not have much depth next year either.
1: But right? are you gonna be able to bring in a couple of junior college kids to help supplement your roster because you're gonna be losing jeju and Kanate and maybe some others? Uh, oh
3: you yeah, you got some well they they have filled they had filled up the roster, but i I think a couple of these guys will
1: be gone, don't you? Well, I hope so because this roster is not very good outside of the couple guys that you mentioned. I mean, Jordan Murphy's a big 10 player obviously. He's a, he's the, he's their best player, but you've got to, you've you've got to, the thing I hate and what frustrates me about watching Richard Patino's team is they have no flow offensively. Nothing. It's all isolation and it's all one guy trying to create his own shot and you cannot win that way in college basketball. You just can't.
3: Uh, it's going to be interesting to see what happens to the tall kid that he took for his dad, right? Stockman is it? Stockman, seven foot guy that uh, he he had been recruited at Louisville, and then he wasn't going to play at Louisville, so we we took him as a transfer, and he's he was a transfer all this year. A big guy, I suppose they were thinking they needed a, a big guy with uh, <laughs> I don't know why with Canate leaving, uh, <laughs> and but uh, and Reggie Lynch. Uh, leaving at the time, but uh, that'll be interesting. He he was so confident in his uh, future here, uh, Richard, that he basically was doing his dad a favor by taking one of his guys that was on scholarship, and and I, I have no idea. The the kid was supposedly a four star. Uh, he's a European and uh, was playing in a prep school over here. But uh, so did the if, kid if leave. Louisville didn't want to keep him. Uh, he must not have
1: got know. the right shoe deal. Is that why he's coming to the U?
3: I don't know. I don't know. But <laughs> I'll tell you one thing. Go ahead. If he gets Anthony Simons, a they're going to have the best guard they've had since Bobby Jackson, and B. They're going to have the NCAA and the All FBI over here him. investigating because he was a Louisville recruit, and then he backed off when uh, Patino got fired.
1: Speaking so. of that, did you guys see the Sean Miller quotes from today? He's innocent, right? <laughs> he's just sticking to. I love. I love the. He's just going to die on the hill, man. He is not going down yeah, without a fight. Yeah, but there's
3: some stories out there that ESPN that Schlaubeck just this is secondhand that they never really that they haven't heard it. They never heard it. They didn't. Uh, they they did not, that they did not get a leak of the tape. They they did there's they they heard, they heard that this was this had happened, but not from a first hand source.
1: So the ESPN whoever wrote the article for ESPN is claiming this. No, or no, what, what, the I other
3: didn't... side, the Yahoo boys are claiming that, uh, and other people are claiming that uh, ESPN, it may be in a desperate act. Uh, because uh, they were getting scooped by Yahoo uh, came with this on some second-hand information. Oh, boy. I don't know. But, again, I'm not going to go out and... Be a big defender of Sean Miller's. I have no idea if it's true or not, but uh, he came out all blunt, guns blazing. Now, the Arizona Board of Regents was supposed to meet today and decide his fate, right? I thought but,
1: they said he is going to coach their next game. I thought, is, I, re- okay. I, thought I read well, that somewhere. They're going to
3: back him, huh?
1: Well, and I think partly because they would owe him more money if they terminated him with cause as opposed to if they terminated him without. There was a story about that um, recently, too. I'll, I'll see if I can find it, but Basically, that they didn't want to pay the buyout right now.
3: All right, Mr. Collar in Indianapolis, Zimmy Zim was a hell of a lot more interesting today than Spielman was yesterday. That's for sure. Uh, we will uh, talk to uh, Matt Collar about uh, Zim's controversial remarks today. Matthew Collar covers the Vikings and other matters for 1500ESPN.com. He is in Indianapolis. And Coach Zim, I don't think he's recovered from the humiliation in Philadelphia. He was still a little feisty today, it seemed, uh, Matthew. Uh,
2: Yeah, especially when it came to talking about the uh, team's decision to keep their quarterback coach, Kevin Stefanski, that uh, they could have... Let him go an interview for the open uh, offensive coordinator job with the New York Giants, but instead blocked him from doing that. And uh, Mike Zimmer went on a mini rant about loyalty and how he didn't fire Stefanski, even though their offense was bad when he got here, and kind of went off a little bit. But, uh, you know, I I thought he was incredibly honest and i've always uh, found it at least in the last two years here that coming to the combine to talk to him is probably the best mike zimmer version you're you're ever going to get because uh, he, he was a little punchy but uh, about as honest as he's ever going to be and that's what he was today
3: and uh, i did like the thing about loyalty and how he, he didn't uh, from what i could tell he didn't directly mention Sisfansky, but he said he stuck with the with his offensive coaches well, you you ran off Norv and fired his kid, so you know when they had the bad offenses. So uh, I I wouldn't say it was one hundred percent loyalty that we saw
2: there. Uh, no, but uh, probably he also thinks Kevin Spansky's a good coach. I mean, that it yep. seems to be if you can uh, go through a couple of regimes and stay on and also coach multiple positions and be in a spot where Pat Schirmer wants to potentially hire you to be the offensive coordinator. I mean, I'm starting to get the idea that this guy probably knows what he's doing. And the times that uh, I've had a chance to talk with Kevin Stefanski, it's hard not to walk away impressed that the guy really knows his stuff. And I think eventually uh, that he will be an offensive coordinator somewhere, but with such a crucial season coming up and this roster is ready to compete and be a playoff team again, I get why the Vikings would want to keep him on their staff as opposed to making a change there. And then plus They've got a decision that involves three quarterbacks that Kevin Stefanski has worked quite a bit with, and I think that you would want his voice in that room as well.
3: And uh, the one thing that I would say, though, is uh, you, uh, you show how much you value Stefanski. You oh, know, by the way, we're bringing in another offensive guru from Oakland, making him third wheel, basically.
2: Yeah, I read your uh, blog post about how awkward the quarterback room could potentially be, and I I mean, I I agree with you, but I I think at the same time, if you're Kevin Stefanski, you've signed a contract to be the quarterback coach, and that's what you're going to do no matter uh, who the offensive coordinator is. Uh, I think it it did come as a little bit of a surprise to some that Stefanski wasn't named the offensive coordinator because they uh, are really high on where he stands, but uh, from what it sounded like with Mike Zimmer, that the recommendations came very high with John Filippo, and then it was basically all he had to do was nail the interview, and that was going to be it, and uh, then he did that. And now he's the offensive coordinator, and he's going to come in and, and use a lot of the same things from what it sounds like from Zimmer and Spielman, use a lot of the same concepts in the West Coast offense that succeeded under Pat Shermer. So I think we're going to see a lot of similarities no matter who the quarterback is.
3: Uh, Todd Downing came in, though, also, and that's, uh, I wonder, I, I'm, I can't quite figure out what he's doing there, but uh, if you if you value Stefanski that much. But anyway, uh, so the, the other interesting thing is uh, he basically campaigned not to give Kirk Cousins
2: $25 million, the way it sounded. <laughs> yeah, and I, I don't know how to read into that, because I, I feel like Mike Zimmer is just such a blunt football guy that it's hard to say that. He's trying to play games with Kirk Cousins' camp. I feel like that's something that Rick Spielman might do, that he might try to send certain messages out or or not. But with Zimmer, I I think he was straightforward, and I believe him when he uh, tells us that he said to Rick Spielman, I don't want to rip apart this team just to pay one guy a bunch of money. And I think that there's a point to be made there now. I mean, I analyzed the cap and what it would look like in 2019 and beyond with needing to sign some of these guys like Kendricks and Barr and, and Diggs. Uh, and, and I think that they can fit Kirk Cousins in there, but the thing that they wouldn't be able to do in that case is sign people like Linval Joseph or when they had Captain Munnerland here or bringing back Terrence Newman. That's where it really squeezes you. I think they'd be able to keep the star players, but where they would have to fill out the roster, they would pretty much have to rely on guys that they drafted to be the guys who are filling out the roster and on rookie contracts rather than being able to go out and sign guys. So the question you have to answer is, would you rather take a risk with Teddy or Sam or hope that case is really this good and then also sign Sheldon Richardson or Andrew Norwell, who's a guard from the Panthers? Would you rather do that or would you rather, you know, go ahead and and sign the quarterback that you know is going to be pretty good and put you in the conversation through the length of his contract?
3: Is uh, Do you think the Zimmer-Bridgewater love affair still exists, or did that cool off a
2: little bit? No, I think it does. I, I think that Mike Zimmer wanted uh, Teddy Bridgewater to be his quarterback forever and always. And when he he talks about him still, he doesn't just say, well, you know, I mean, uh, I like Teddy. He doesn't say it like that. I mean, it's I love Teddy. and he said <laughs> Today at his, at his podium that he has the heart of a lion. So, I mean, I – And he's always talked that way about Bridgewater. I think he believes it. I think he has always seen from day one. I I actually went back and, and looked at this. At the draft, Mike Zimmer said the reason he loved Bridgewater so much at Louisville was that he won everywhere. He won in high school. He won in college right away and completely changed that program at Louisville and then he came here and then uh, took the team to the playoffs in his second year. And I think that's the way that Zimmer has always looked at Bridgewater as a special quarterback who can win. And I I think he still believes that, but he also recognizes that knee didn't just get hurt. That knee exploded into a zillion pieces, and it might not ever come back together again. And with him saying that uh, Teddy, you know, is hard to evaluate in practice, I believe that too because people can't be falling at your legs and things like that in practice. So, I mean, I think he does love Teddy that much, but also recognizes that that has to be a part of the decision.
3: Did the NFL management council basically tell the Vikings, eh, we're not going to fight this fight for you? Sorry, fellas. When it comes
2: to the uh, tolling, you uh, mean?
3: Tolling the contract.
2: Yeah, we haven't gotten an official decision yet from the NFL, but my guess is that uh, the Vikings, just looking over the details, of the CBA don't feel like they have much of a chance or that they've uh, maybe heard unofficially that they don't have much of a chance. I mean, the thing is that Bridgewater was cleared and was ready to play before he came off the pup list. And uh, so it's not the amount of time that he was on the physically unable to perform list. It was whether he could actually play or not. And since he was cleared, then he was easily argue and win that he was. And especially with AJ McCarron winning his grievance, I think they looked at it as we don't really have much of a chance there.
3: Okay, well, uh, of course, uh, somehow the Vikings will try to make it look as if they were the generous ones in this uh, situation. So uh, uh, that's – where are they – you know, you mentioned Bradford. I I can't imagine he's in the picture.
2: I think that Mike Zimmer is really angry about what happened with Bradford's knee because he probably looked at this offense – it was 10th in scoring – that with Bradford healthy, it could have been even better than that because uh, Bradford is just simply a more talented quarterback than Case Keenum is. And he talked about Bradford like with frustration, saying like this guy is a is a, an incredible thrower of the football and, and even a better athlete than anybody knows. And he talked about that and it just, and then he, he stopped himself and went back to yeah, but he's got this degenerative thing with his knee. So <laughs> I mean, it, it was like. Uh, really, he was clearly frustrated that they can't have Sam Bradford, because it seemed like Bradford really grew on him over the time that he was there. And if you were there for, for camp last year, Sam Bradford looked amazing in camp last year. And then in week one, he brought it, too. And so I think there's a little bit of Zimmer that probably says, what could have been if we had had that talented of a quarterback instead of trying to squeeze every ounce of blood out of the Case Keenum stone."
3: Hey Matthew, as as the mar- as they march in the NFL coaches at the combine, where is Zimmer on the candor media- ma- meter?
2: Uh, I think he is elite. Put it that way, <laughs> he is a, one of, one of the and and you know that that's one of the things that makes it great is that even if he's mad at us and he wants to have a two minute press conference one day, or if he's willing to just let it all loose and, and when he talks. That I, th- you know what I think he is? I think he's a terrible liar, and so like <laughs> even when he tries, when he tries to lie, we all know it. So then he tries to just tell the truth as as best that he can, and then there ends up being probably more truth than he wants out there. And so for us, I mean, I I think it it generally works out pretty well to have him as, as the head coach, and and for him, um, maybe sometimes they're not always thrilled with everything he says, but it's also kind of refreshing in a way for a guy to say, you know what. I don't really want to pay a quarterback a zillion dollars. I want to keep my defense. They're like, oh, okay. <laughs> because that was uh, quite a change from what we heard from Rick Spielman the day before, which was nothing.
3: Yes. Uh, the uh, My friend Jerry Fraley at the Dallas Morning News was covering football for a while. And when Zimmer was down there and when the Vikings first hired him, he told me that uh, uh, he was sitting at home one night about 8 o'clock when Zimmer was the defensive coordinator. He gets a call at home. And it's Zimmer saying, you know, I think I might have misled you a little bit on something you asked me about today. And here's the truth. And that—that that is the first that said he said that was a first in his journalistic career. So you're right. He's a bad liar.
2: Yeah. Yeah. No. And i I'm, I'm not really that surprised by it. I think after 2016, he was mad at all of us for criticizing him, so he kind of uh, dialed it back a, a little bit and then maybe came up with a better strategy. But the thing with with Zimmer is that when he's in the moment, uh, like especially think about it, after the Washington game, Keenum throws those two terrible interceptions, and he, and he just let loose on it. He just said, those are just terrible interceptions, and I hate that he, he does this, and it was like, Okay, so Case Keenum basically drives you nuts and you wish you could bench him. <laughs> okay. And, like, and that, I, I still kind of feel that way, that he that Keenum drove him nuts and he always feared that he was going to throw those picks. But it was because Zimmer just let loose. Even if he's trying to be more tight-lipped, he just can't do it. It's not part of who he is. Uh, thank you, Matthew, and keep cranking out the copy. All right, thank you.
3: Okay, Matthew Collar, uh, you can read his Viking stuff from Indianapolis on 1500ESPN.com. We'll be right back.
0: John Height with a sports update. Thank you, Patrick. This update is sponsored by Account Temps. Do you need accounting and finance professionals for long term or recurring projects? If so, Account Temps salaried professional service may be the right solution. Visit AccountTemps.com. Account Temps, a Robert Half Company. Uh, the local squads, they're playing this evening. The Timberwolves are on the road. They are staying out on the West Coast for a game against Portland this evening. And the Minnesota Wild, they're trying to stay hot. They're on the road in Arizona playing the Coyotes. Uh, speaking of the Ooh, wild. It'll be a tough road environment in Arizona. Ooh, oh, yeah. yeah.
3: There'll be two. Th- there'll be twice as many
0: uh, Minnesota snowbirds there as Coyote fans. So. Uh, speaking of the wild, center Eric Stahl has been named the NHL first star of the month. Month. Not month. week. That's month. right. Month. For February, 13 yes. games, 13 goals, and eight assists. The Wild wow. went 9 2 and 2 in February. It's a pretty good I'm sure
3: Fletcher is getting accolades from Judd Zulgon and the rest of his former critics. Right? You know,
4: Stahl's been terrific, mm-hmm. but it's like, can. Can we get to a point where the younger guys in the wild are really like the ones kind of carrying the team? Like, why do, why does it always have to be the guys in their 30s that are carrying this team? I don't know. Because
1: <laughs> that's always signer, guys in their 30s. <laughs> yeah. They're
3: on the cusp. Granlund and Niederreiter and Coyle, they're all on the cusp. On the cusp. On five they've years been on that now, damn been cusp, the cusp. About, been that cusp <laughs> about three years.
1: Although Dumba took over Riley's spot by making a couple of dumb turnovers in his own zone the other night against the Blues. That was nice that's, of him. Dumba he, took over that,
4: somebody else's spot? for that, making the, That's yeah, what move. he do.
0: Yeah, that that's is what, what he, he do. do. <laughs> uh Twins played the Cardinals this afternoon. Uh we didn't have a winner, went nine innings. Everybody won. 3 to 3 was the final. Everybody gets a trophy. A- Ray Adrianza, uh he's had two good games, in a row. two hits yesterday with a couple RBIs. He had two hits today, one of them a home run, two RBIs in that ball game. Uh, Alberto Mejia started for the Twins. He went three innings, gave up four hits, and gave up one. Not quite round.
3: as fat as he was last Is year. He's skinnier. Looks, looks well. I wouldn't
0: call him skinny, but have you, uh, he's not that tabagoo he was last year. Have you fellas seen any pictures of Kyle Schwarber? Oh my God, he's see-through. Yes. He's lean. Yes. What yeah. the oh. hell did he do that for? He's now
3: going to be a crafty left fielder. He's going to catch him now. Okay,
1: instead Good of luck. having him doink over.
0: Him. Mm-hmm. I don't care that guy can club. I'll take him oh, any size man. he comes. Hit. Yeah. Uh, the Twins, by the way, will play Toronto tomorrow. Uh, we right here at fifteen hundred ESPN. Uh, we've reached a multi-year agreement to carry Minnesota United Soccer. Uh, the radio play-by-play will be handled by a name you may know, veteran sp- uh, sports broadcaster. Dan Terhar. Nice.
3: yes happy to announce that we're gonna have a uh, radio specific uh, broadcast uh, mm-hmm. we had a lot of simulcasts in the last year and uh, this will be a radio guy telling you what's happening
0: that's correct also weekly yes. shows uh, will be held here on the station uh, to have you uh, learn more about soccer and to listen. His professional career, Dan's, by the way, you uh, may know him. He's done wild uh, and all kinds of stuff. He's done all kinds of college stuff also. You know what he is? He's a guy. He's a guy. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the first match, by the way, uh, is this Saturday in San Jose against the Earthquakes. The season sneaked up on us, Johnny. <laughs> hey, Pat, <laughs> you
3: say? Are I you wouldn't f-
1: say so. Are you familiar Familiar? Excuse well, me, with the know. 2018 slogan for the Minnesota United FC? You know we have all. Let's kick some arse. You no, know, it's like all eyes north for the wolves. It's oh a yeah, sure. Hashtag scarves up. Scarves <laughs> up. They're really trying to agitate me, aren't we? One hundred. percent I
3: got one for him? United we run. Well, that one's been done before, though, yeah, right? it Didn't work out too well. Oh, okay. It, uh, with the the con man David Kahn. that oh, was yeah. his slogan. United we run. Right into the lottery. <laughs> <laughs> all careful, right, so careful. Fans. <laughs> we'll, we'll be back. Thank you. Uh, Jerry Zagota, speaking of the Timberwolves, uh, will be with us. Jerry oh Zagota covers God. the Timberwolves for the Star Tribune. He is in Portland, back-to-backs here. Uh, Portland and then Utah, two teams chasing the, uh, the, uh, our boys in the Western Conference. Hey, Jerry, no rumors on Derrick Rose or Tony Allen or anybody to come in as a emergency ninth guy here with Butler out. What, nothing going on, huh? Well, I think they've been waiting for, to
5: see what happens today. Today's the deadline for guys to get waived from other teams so that they can become eligible to be in the playoffs if they sign with another team. So I think that goes till late, late this evening. Um, so I think maybe they're waiting on... Oh, let's see. Joe Kim Noah, maybe, or someone else uh, out there. There's uh, potential for other guys. I think they maybe are waiting to see what happens there before they decide what moves to do elsewhere. So um, we'll know that hopefully by uh, the end of the day today, and then we'll see if they move. Clips keeps talking about how they're undermanned. Well, one way to be less undermanned is they had a guy. They've kept that roster spot open all season, and uh, they haven't used it yet. Plus, there's other things they could still do, even if they wanted to add more than one guy. They could always waive... uh, Shabazz or Aaron Brooks, uh, but uh, right now they have that one uh, open roster spot. So we'll see if they use that and uh, and how soon they do that.
3: Corey Brewer went. Uh, the Clippers uh, got, waved him, and uh, he went to Oklahoma City. I saw they uh, figuring that the Billy Donovan connection. Uh, he, he, you know, he's not exactly the shooter you wanted, but he could have filled the spot with the Timberwolves
5: to give him the energy and some defense? I mean, he's not a great individual defender, but he's long and he gets into lanes and uh, obviously wasn't part of the Lakers' future. So, yeah, they, they waived him and at least, you know, the, the Thunder are one of those teams behind the Wolves. So we'll see if the Wolves don't do anything. We'll see what other moves teams behind them make and how that impacts this race, you know. Denver might not do anything, but they got Paul Millsap back the other night for the first time maybe, I think, all season. So, uh, in essence, they added out of the guy, and we'll see what other moves uh, other teams will make because this thing's going to get. Oh, it is already tight, but it's going to get pretty interesting the next uh, six weeks.
3: Hey Jerry, uh, are there what are any rumors flying on some other veterans who might be uh, floating around here in the next few hours?
5: Well, I mean, you look you look to teams, and, and then the, then the question is whether the wolves have the kind of uh, clout and appeal to get those kind of guys. You know, you look at teams that. Um, uh, aren't going anywhere. You look and see if they're going to make a uh, uh, deal with one of their players, you know, uh, not necessarily big names, but, you know, in Brooklyn, a guy like Quincy Acey who's kind of an energy guy and a, a forward or a Jared Jack in New York or T- uh, Tyson Chandler with um, with Phoenix. You know, uh, the Wolves' needs are uh, perimeter defense, shooter, and they could also use a guy who could protect the rim, too. So, um, you know, you you look for those teams that, uh, you know, I don't know where he ends up, but, you know, if Orlando does something with Aaron Aflalo, those kind of guys who aren't going anywhere with their teams this year that uh, they might uh, strike their buyout so they can go with with a team that's going to have a chance to be in the playoffs.
3: Hey, uh, so Wiggins, uh, with no Butler around, uh, does he uh, look more like the player we saw last year?
5: Yeah, I mean, that's, uh, you know, that's the, um, <clears throat> he's, he's getting the ball. He's, uh, it's, going through him i mean that was what his problem was i don't think he was instantly lousy like people thought i think he just had a hard time figuring out how to play next to to jimmy when jimmy started asserting himself and taking all the shots and uh uh, andrew's not the most assertive guy himself so he's trying to figure out how to play and alongside him and that wasn't going really well you figured they were going to figure it out at some point but now you've got uh you know, you've got other guys who can score, but as Keek said at Shooter on this morning, he said, you know, the two guys now are scorers, are Cat and Wiggins, and they're going to run things through them. Hey, Jerry, what,
3: I mean, what would Butler's plan, and he's got the ball, and especially the last five minutes, what do they want Wiggins doing? What they, He's not like a hangout behind the line type of guy, so what is he supposed to be doing?
5: Well, that's the thing. I mean, you know, and uh, if you look at... Uh, uh, the numbers. I mean, Jimmy hasn't been the most efficient guy down the stretch, and uh, you know, as much as Wiggins, it's, it's Towns too is not getting any shots. So um, yeah, uh, we'll, we'll see how Towns. You know, he uh, he was pretty efficient the other night. I think it was nine of ten from the field against Sacramento, and I think he had taken I don't know maybe sixteen or eighteen shots the, the first game without Butler against Chicago. So we'll see if he gets more touches, which he probably should have. They were becoming very dependent and dominant on. Uh, uh on jimmy and i don't think that was good for him hey they
3: actually they they played what a month or more when belly was hurt with eight guys uh they played george's hunt a little bit uh i can't imagine they want to play now the schedule is a lot e is softer as far as uh physical strain now not because not the teams you're playing but the the tightness of the schedule but i can't imagine they want to uh, go too long just playing eight guys.
5: Well, with Tibbs, you never know. I mean, <laughs> that's, kind of a, that's kind of his comfort zone. You would think so. You think they would add a guy, whether it is a Derrick Rose or I know um, another guy would be a novel idea if they added someone who didn't have a Bulls connection, wouldn't it? Um, yes, right. If, if they did something like that, so um, I asked Tibbs uh, yesterday. You know, does, does he plan on changing that? He goes, you know, who knows? You never know. We'll see how, see how the games go and. And uh, he didn't say it, but uh, you know we'll see what kind of moves, uh, move or moves they make, if any.
3: How is uh, Belly? Uh, how do they feel about the way he's playing now that he's in the lineup?
5: Uh, they, they like him. I mean, I know, I know. Tibbs likes him. Um, the question is going to be, you know, are they going to be able to sign him this summer, and how much money? He's getting healthy. You know, he was out as you mentioned for that long stretch, and um, you know, he gives him a guy who can stretch the floor. He, he gives him really length. You put him in that starting lineup, and you move Wiggins to the two. That's a pretty big starting lineup, and uh, we'll see how it fares against better teams like the the Blazers and the Jazz. But it was just as much size for a team like the like the Kings the other night. So, um, uh, but uh, you know he's a, he's a, a playmaker and a, a guy if he's healthy and comfortable, you know he can he can help you. But, uh, coming back from that injury, he, he hadn't been, it took him a while to find a shot, and uh, I think it was two for three the other night. So maybe he's finding it now.
3: That's what. Uh... That's what would make me nervous with him though with his injury history. all of a sudden you're playing him 35 minutes you know I'm not yeah. I'm, I'm not sure. Hey now you brought up Noah and it's been brought up uh, uh, you think how much has he played and is that a real possibility?
5: He hasn't played a ton. I mean if, if he gets um, if he does come to an agreement, I'm not sure if he's going to be able to because hes still owed 30 some million I think yeah. two years left of that ridiculous contract so um you know a guy like him i could see you know the wolves uh, we mentioned before having kind of their clout and appeal even with tips you know losing out to maybe if you uh, hear mention that you know Golden state's interested or you know teams above them that they have a better chance of winning the title so even if he gets waived, no guarantee he comes here even with a connection so some teams think he still has something left you know that uh certainly not in the, the way that the tips played him in the amount of minutes in chicago but that he could still help you and uh He's played some this year, but I, I haven't looked back, but uh, not a whole lot.
3: If they're So if they're in a playoff push, I don't imagine uh, even if Patton's healthy and ready to go, that old Tibbs is going to have him come up and play 12 minutes a game, huh?
5: I don't know. I don't, think, I don't know what the trust factor is there with the guy, you know, who missed uh, camp and uh, missed summer league. And there's a rookie coming in. I think he's much more comfortable trying to find a veteran guy, you know, they can sign. But uh, we'll see. At some point, you know, you think – he, he just kind of got lifted off of uh, like about a 25-minute restriction that he had been on. He played 32 uh, a few days ago, and we'll see if he gets a few more games in there. If they bring him up, at least take a look at him.
3: Hey, what happened to George's hunt? Did he kind of play himself out of that 10 minutes a game?
5: I don't know. I just think I think that goes against uh, against Tibbs' nature. I mean, he played him some, but, uh, you know, when it comes down to this now, there's a lot of must in him, you know. Play, play eight guys and play to win. <laughs> I don't think it was any. I don't think it was anything um, Marcus did. I just think it's uh, you know, we're starting to get to. Even though Kip says they all count the same, we're starting to get some pretty important games here, and uh, he goes with guys he trusts.
3: They got have you know they they'd be in pretty good shape here if they figure out a way to win one of the next two. Portland's hot, and Utah's been uh, was on a streak there, so they're playing two hot teams here.
5: Yeah, I think it's going to be a trouble tonight. They, they don't play well here uh, usually, and uh, Dame loward's pretty good, especially when it comes for comes for clutch time. And uh, they usually, or they have played better in Utah. So we'll see if they. Uh, uh, although that will be the, the back-to-back uh, game, and the last time they were there, they won, but there was no Rudy Gobert in that game, and he's healthy now. and We'll see how the uh, the Ricky Teague, uh, basically the, the the swap of those two guys uh, looks tomorrow night.
3: Teague's uh, Teague's been playing well though lately.
5: Yeah, he has. He's been, uh, he, you know, he says, oh, it's, it's, uh, you know, nothing different, just what the game gives gives him. But, you know, you can tell he's more aggressive. And, uh, you know, it's funny because, I don't know, what, it was maybe 10 days ago He was saying, well, you, know, I've never really played this way. you talking about having to defer and get other guys more involved, implying that he's more of a scoring point guard. Now, you know, there, there's a, a, an opening for him to do that. And he has done that. He's been pretty good the last week or two.
3: All right, Jerry, thanks for your time, sir. All right, thank you, Patrick. All right, Jerry Zagota covers the uh, Timberwolves for the Star Tribune. Ah, Two uh, two games against teams right there with them. they got to uh, survive this uh, next seven or eight games, maybe win three out of eight, and uh, then they're in pretty good shape, I think. Because uh, the one thing is they've played more games than any team in the league, so they're not going to get beat up with too many of these back-to-backs. We'll be back.
0: Quiet, please. We'll be on the
4: air. And now, this day in history. Patrick?
1: It is one of the most haunting crimes in American history. The daring kidnapping and tragic death of Charles Lindbergh, Jr., the precious son of America's then-greatest hero.
4: The kidnapping, the death, Americans witnessed something
3: truly
0: awful here.
3: Uh, yes, it was on this day in 1932 that Charles Lindbergh III, actually, the 20-month-old son of uh, Charles Lindbergh, was kidnapped from the family's new uh, large home in Hopewell, New Jersey. Uh, he, uh, his wife, Anne, uh, went upstairs to see the baby and discovered a and ransom note uh, demanding $50,000. Uh, the Lindberghs were inundated with offers of assistance and false clues. Uh, three For three days, investigators found nothing. There was no further word from the kidnappers. Then a new letter showed up demanding 70000 The kidnappers eventually gave instructions for dropping off the money, and when it was delivered, the Lindberghs were told their baby was in a boat called Nelly off the coast of Massachusetts. The baby wasn't there and, in fact, was found uh, dead and buried on the property of the Lindbergh uh, mansion. Later on, a uh, couple of years later, they found some bills from the uh, ransom, and uh, they were traced to Bruno Hopman, a German immig- immigrant and carpenter. And although he claimed uh, on and on that he was not involved in it, he ended up being convicted and uh, he was electrocuted in 1935 and for some reason we still use the very impolitic impolitic phrase have you heard about the Lindbergh baby when we are told some information that we already know and I, I have that habit and uh, I should stop that because that is uh, not a humorous aside uh, anyway this day in
0: 1932. Geico asks how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance of course you would